Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Cindy W. and Dave V. We've got Alex Holmes returning to the show. Alex is CEO and Director of Plateau Energy Metals, a lithium uranium development company advancing the Falchani and Macusani projects in southern Peru. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol PLU and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol PLUUF. Alex, welcome back again. Hi, Andrew. Thank you for having me on again. So, Alex, you were in uh, Cape Town in DABA conference. What were you doing there? What caught your attention? How did Plateau benefit from the personal meetings and conference? Yeah, we were down there um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, the Indaba conference runs that week, which is a big conference that pulls together a lot of European, Australian, uh, and African uh, investors and companies. And uh, and the front end of that week is a one-to-one -one mining investment conference, which is uh, you know effectively one-on-one -on -one meetings every half an hour with investors. So we had a very busy schedule, and the whole idea about going there was to um, to you know broaden the relationship network and the investor base. Uh, out into the Australian and uh, European marketplace. Well, I want to get to the Valchani PEA in a moment, but are there any updates on progress with the concessions dispute? Uh, well, probably, um, you know, we're actively working in the judicial system uh, with regards to, uh, you know, getting a second set of injunctions on the uh, on the concessions. I, I don't know if. Uh, Listeners um, saw that we got a front injunction on half of the concessions, 17 of the 32 concessions, and that injunction was issued um, by a court of law, and that judge in that injunction uh, very uh, clearly stated that uh, you know, the company complied with uh, the general mining law, made all the payments on time in accordance with the uh, rules and regulations, and um, and that the, uh, this, you know, this appears to be clearly an administrative error. So I think, you know, that was pretty positive. It was very positive from our perspective uh, because it's the court of law and this is the first time the law is sort of voicing their opinion on things and uh, we included some more details at the bottom of our PEA press release. So our next step is to wait for injunction on the balance, the other 15 of the concessions and, uh, and we'll keep uh, charging on. In the meantime, we keep working on the administrative process um, and unfortunately disappointment is uh, we're making great process with the Ministry of Energy and Mines and Minister of Energy and Mines uh, resigned uh, this past Monday. Um, so uh, we're waiting for a, a new minister to be appointed. Um, we don't know who it will be at this point, other than we understand that uh, they'll be looking to source from within uh, the ministry, which is um, you know, generally a positive from our perspective because we've been doing a lot of work there, um, you know, educating and informing. And then, of course, on the concessions uh, issue we're dealing with, that's a, been a separate matter. But um, as you can imagine, as a the only lithium and uranium company in the uh, in the country. We've we've been uh, spending a lot of time at, at Minam's offices. Well, very well, and and hopefully the the new minister gets up to speed, and this issue gets resolved by the end of the year, and they uh, continue to follow through on their promise to have legislation ready on the uranium side for the country. Um, that would also be very useful. So, looking forward to seeing how that goes, and and keeping the heat on progress over on that side of things. 
So I've not looked at the PEA in depth yet, Alex, so forgive me, but can you give us a complete rundown on the PEA and the various paths within the PEA? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think just, you know, right off the top, we did two cases in our PEA, two scenarios, I should say, consider them uh, a stage one and a stage one and two type project. Um, those cases, uh, we had our base case, which was based on a mine plan around 100% of the, the resource within the two concessions that contain the lithium. So that includes one of the concessions that's currently um, in dispute right now. And then we did what we called an alternative case, which is a mine plant only based on the resource within the Felchani concession, which is 100% or is completely unimpacted by anything. Um, and we wanted to do that so we could give investors a sense of, hey, here, here's a mine um, that we can advance without that concession. Uh, we're going to push that sort of noise to the background, if you will, while we continue to work through that judicially and with the government, and we hope for a resolution on that um, sooner rather than later. And and then if we when we're successful, if we're successful, then here's a here's a larger scenario. And effectively, um, what we were able to show in both cases was we have a long life asset, uh, so 26 years and, uh, and over 30 years in the, in the alternative in the base case. Uh, and that's really important because when we start to talk about the people looking for offtake, they're going to look for long line lives. Uh, we also took a scaled approach to this, so we started out with. Um, in, in phased expansions. And why that's important is, you know, we've got a relatively small lithium market today, call it 300,000 tons of lithium carbonate equivalent, but projected to grow at 20% a year. So by having an asset that we can scale up and because it's hard rock and because the process plan is can be done in a modular fashion, that allows us to double capacity every uh, five or six years. And what we did in, um, in our alternative case, or sorry, call it our stage one case, just the Pelchani concession, we had two ramp-ups to about 44,000 tons per year of lithium carbonate. And in the larger case, including both concessions, we went a third step all the way up to 85,000 tons per year. And it's really important to highlight that because at 85,000 tons per year, that's more than the biggest lithium chemical producer today that exists, and that's all from a single asset. So we think that's a really big strategic advantage. Um, the other thing we were able to demonstrate is we're looking at a very low impurity battery quality lithium chemical, and it's low cost. It's in the low second quartile, the cost curve. We had benchmark minerals uh, do a study for us. They benchmarked us against the peer group, and they actually positioned the project as a, a probable project within the lithium chemical supply chain as opposed to possible. And that's um, a big statement for us because they look at a number of factors from the quality of the product to the cost profile to the rates of return and, and the mine life and the production profile to be able to make that determination. So, you know, from discovery to being ranked as a probable project in the low second quartile, lower, lower part of the second quartile on the cost curve uh, in two years, I think is fantastic. And that's a testament to the team at Peru, um, 100%. And, uh, you know, I think we've officially put Peru on the map. And then, you know, some of the other things that we looked at were uh, how can we make this a, a clean or, a, you know, to use a buzzword, a green uh, mining project? And, and so we looked at things from how do we handle our waste and is there ability to recycle uh, the, uh, the waste process water and, um, and clean energy production at site. And so what we were able to determine is we, uh, you know, through the process route, we have a, um, an acid plant that actually generates um, steam that turns a turbine that generates 18 megawatts of power at the project site. And that's all clean power. 
And then we have on our waste side, we recycle about 90% of our processed water. And why it's important to mention that is other than it's, you know, the right thing to do. And as you're scoping out projects, this is the time you do those things. Um, but the, the whole supply chain for lithium chemicals, when you look at what the European car manufacturers are wanting and, and what the regulations that they're under are looking for, uh, clean, low carbon footprint supplies of lithium chemicals are going to become a must a must have uh, in the next couple of years. And uh, and I think certainly something that will help a project stand out when you're looking to talk to off-takers and you're doing the qualification testing and things. So all in all, we're very pleased with the outcome and um, we think it checks a lot of the boxes that uh, make it stand out as a strategic project. And Alex, speak a little bit more to the value proposition. Assuming Peru takes away the concessions um, that are in dispute for the lithium deposit, just speak to the differences briefly of, of what you see as value under a scenario where you don't get those concessions and then under a scenario where things get resolved. Can you just kind of compare or contrast? Sure, absolutely. So uh, we, we call that an alternative case PEA. Um, uh, and or, or I also refer to it as our stage one project. And the stage one project is an 844 million US NPV. Um, the IRR is just under 19%, uh, about four and a half year payback after tax. Those numbers uh, in terms of IRR and payback are right in line with long life projects and, and lithium chemical projects like this. By the time we get up to full ramp up, uh, you know, you're looking at about 200 million US a year in after tax free cash flow. And we're just about uh, $4,300 per ton of lithium carbonate. So even in this price environment, uh, at call it $8,500 a ton, in which arguably very few projects will be built to meet that demand, um, we've, we've, we've got margin and pretty reasonable margin. And so I think it's important for, for stakeholders to see that and look at that and say, okay, well, there's 840 million of NPV, the peer group, in the lithium space uh, that we you know, rank ourselves against trades at about 20% of net asset value or, or NPV in this case, uh, we're trading at 2%. So I don't expect us to close the gap from 2% to 20% right away because that would be 10 times where we are today. But I think it's reasonable that we work our way towards, uh, you know, say 10% of NAV as a, as, a, as, a, as a next step over the next several months. Uh, and that would put us, you know, north of certainly north of a dollar, closer to a dollar fifty per share. Um, while we work on the concessions in the background, and uh, then you know we we resolve that, then we've got a stage one and two project, and that's almost twice the net present value. It's a billion, one point one five or one point five billion dollars in NPV, and a project that will um, ramp up in one third phase, if you will. And uh, I think the the after tax annual free cash flows from that at full ramp up over $400 million US a year. So these are, this is a sizable project. And interestingly in that stage one and two case, which incorporates both concessions, uh, the first 10 years of the mine life are 100% from the Felchani concession, the unimpacted concession. And then over the next five years, it's about 60% and, and so on. So, you know, no matter how we slice it, um, there's a great project here. And then if we, if we only look at stage one, well, you know, we're not seeing any value for the exploration potential. So if you recall, you know, in the past, I think we've covered off some of the areas to the west, like Tres Hermanas, which is immediately west. That's on the Falchani concession and a, a, a concession beside it that's unimpacted. And then we've got 
targets six kilometers and 20 kilometers away. So I think we've got a great place to start. We can keep moving forward. We can move the, you know, what we're dealing with, the concessions to the background and, and try to get investors focused on this disconnected relative value between our stage one project and, and where the peer group is trading. And how robust is the project on the downside, Alex? Let's say lithium stays stagnant or even goes lower. At what price per ton does this project get stopped? So I don't have the sensitivities in front of me uh, right at the moment, but um, $9,000, dollars $9, per ton project is uh, is still something that is you know has a lot of strengths to it. For lithium price to go lower, uh, I think what we'd be looking at there is um, a scenario where where no new supply comes on, and what we've already seen in the last four months is that supply gap, projected supply gap, go from 2025, arguably down to 2023, 2022, because so many projects have just either curtailed production or they've they've stopped progress or they've you know. Um, uh, they're not proceeding with their expansion plans. Uh, I'm just going to look at. I just pulled up the sensitivity graph here. You know, it, uh, our base case was twelve thousand dollars per ton. We ran it all the way down to uh, to ten thousand dollars per ton. And uh, you know, we still have a um, after-tax NPV uh, at about four hundred thirty million. If we take thirty percent off that twelve thousand, so what does that take us down to? About eighty-four hundred, basically yep. where 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 the market is today. So we still have a positive NPV um, and a $430 million uh, NPV. That's that's on the base case and uh, about $150 million on the alternative case. Okay. If lithium is 6000 a ton, do you see at that point that, that the project you guys would, would reconsider what would be kind of the, the absolutely last resort as far as on the downside? Um, well, on the downside, we still have the uranium project, but I think where we would focus, uh, and that's what we're going to do in 2020, actually, is we're going to focus our attention on um, on optimizing the lithium process step. So we've identified some areas through the first, um, you know, the 18 months of work that we did, where spending a bit more time, we may be able to um, chip away at some of the operating and capital cost numbers. And so that potentially changes the, you know, the, the dynamics of the project a bit. Um, and the other thing is, is we're looking at, uh, the byproducts. So I'm pretty sure in the, in the last call, we talked about what are the possible byproducts from this project. So, um, we started work, we kicked work off with Ansto labs again in, um, in October, uh, hoping, um, by the end of March, we'll have some news out on the byproducts and the byproducts here are, uh, are potassium sulfate or SOP, which is a fertilizer. It's a specialty chemical fertilizer product. And uh, what we see there is we already bring this into solution because in the rocks. And now we're looking at taking that and just like we precipitate out the lithium uh, through a slightly different approach, we would precipitate uh, the SOP into a chemical product. And why that's strategic in nature is Peru has zero domestic sources of SOP. It's 100% imports. It's the fastest growing region in South America. And uh, last year, they imported approximately 80,000 tons of SOP. So all of a sudden, we could have a domestic source right in the, you know, in, in close proximity within uh, road, road trucking distance of um, the agricultural region on the coast. And SOP is key for uh, things like blueberries and avocados, and etc. Um, the other byproduct is cesium and rubidium. 
Uh, rubidium, I won't talk so much about, but cesium is a really interesting one because, again, it's on that list of 34 critical minerals that the U.S. has published. And, and cesium is something that um, the U.S. has no domestic supplies of anymore. Uh, you've got various forms of cesium. And uh, cesium chemicals, a lot of, uh, most of it is used in things like uh, air traffic control, uh, security equipment, uh, uh, night vision goggles, and that would be sort of the higher value form of cesium, like a cesium sulfate. And then you've got a cesium formate mud, which is used as a drilling lubricant that's actually leased out versus sold because it's so valuable. Um, so that's already in our rock. Uh, we know we pull it into solution. We know we can pull it off to the side, and we're just waiting on that piece of test work to be done by Anstone to be able to talk to the market about, hey, here's another potential uh, revenue line item for the project, and, uh, and it's very strategic. And we know that the main source of cesium today is from polysite mines, uh, which isn't easy, and the world's running out. So here we have something that um, could bring another angle to the project. So to kind of get back to answering your question, if the byproducts don't work and lithium chemical, brighter grade lithium chemical price goes to 6,000, uh, which I find highly unlikely, um, then we focus on recasting the projects and making it, uh, optimizing it. Uh, we have success, some success with the byproducts, and I think uh, $6,000 per ton lithium carbonate, we still have a project. But we'll do that work first, and then we can talk about that. Very well. No, that sounds good. And what would you say at this point, their uranium asset? Pretty much no valuation reflected in the share price. Is that what you see? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely no valuation reflected there. Um, you know, these concessions, certainly they break up some of the deposits in, a, in an odd way, um, which impacts the, the mine plan and the PEA. Um, it's only about 35% of the total resource, which is which is about 120, just over 120 million pounds. Um, so I think we get zero value for it today. Uh, it's still a large resource regardless, um, with or without the concessions. And, you know, with sent with sentiment coming back in uranium when it decides to come back, I think, uh, you know, that'll be an opportunity for us to probably retool that project and, and as we had talked about before, put some capital into it and see, find ways that we can optimize um, optimize it and, uh, and, and move it forward. Right, and the way you guys have, are coming out with the separate project studies makes a lot of sense, especially if you have a suitor that wants to look at the lithium. I think that makes sense uh, to present it that way so the company can consider uh, separate asset sales going forward as as suitors potentially inquire and, and ask questions. And on that subject, I know you've studied a number of the lithium transactions over the last few years. You've looked at the peer companies. At what stage do you see that the acquirers on that side would be looking at a project like Falchani? Do you think that it's a pre-feasibility stage? Do you see that the company would need to build this out, Alex, or do you see that a, a suitor would eventually come along based on what we've seen recently as far as transactions? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think a suitor could come along in one of two forms, either someone acquiring, you know, 100% of the lithium project or, you know, wanting to be our partners in something and taking, call it the capital and operating risk off of our uh, capital structure. Um, I think that um, look, the ore body itself is robust, it's continuous, it's, um, you know, it's not broken up or structurally controlled, 
it's uh, you know it doesn't have zones of you know dikes and things that can do your 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 resource or body it's just it's there it's not going anywhere um, and and it's large and from a mining perspective you know pretty straightforward to mine um, I think where where we and this is the intention for 2020 we spend our time focusing on okay how do we how do we make that process route better and when I say better I mean how do we consume less of the consumables because that drives your operating costs and can we do things like different crush sizes or shorter leach times that will all feed into uh, different crushing equipment smaller tanks less consumables and the more work we do there and then we take it to bench scale testing and ultimately pilot scale testing the more we're bringing data and proof points to potential suitors that look at this and go Okay, the front end of it we understand. There's thousands of tests on the tank leaching uh, side of it. And the downstream part, well, it's the exact same as we already do in the brine projects or in the chemical converters that like Chianchi has, for example, in Australia. So by us eliminating um, any sense of technical risk on the processing side, that's when I think uh, you know we, we start to garner a lot more interest. I think we've done tremendous work so far on it. I think it's already garnering interest. Um, but uh, you know, the next this next year, we'll we'll spend time on finding ways to make it better. Do you see that coming through in the form of a pre-feasibility study that would happen potentially coming out in 2021? What are the next steps for Falchani? Yeah, so um, to take it to pre-feasibility study, we've got uh, you know the additional uh, process engineering work, and there's engineering work, and then there's uh, infill drilling to take it to a reserve status instead of a resource status. The most capital intensive part of that is the drilling to convert it to reserves. And so what we're deciding to do is we're we're going to focus on the front end of that being the, the processing, uh, advance that along the lines, bring the byproducts in, evaluate that, and the, and the start the engineering that you would do anyways for the pre-feasibility, but push the capital and win. So that's all, call it high return on investment, low capital, high return on investment type. Uh, work programs right. and then push the infill drilling the head more capital intensive piece of it uh, back and either into 2021 um, or into the end of this year you know, back into this year uh, and really make that decision based on when we start to see the market re-raised to be more in line with the peer group and I think a bit of positive movement in the lithium market um, or the uranium market will help move our market value up so then we're not raising money at dilutive levels just to infill drill if you know what I mean. And I think through that plan, because we own our own drill rigs, uh, you know, we can mobilize very quickly. We've got the community support to do it. Um, we won't miss a step in terms of a roughly a 15 month timeline to pre-feasibility study. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So Alex, there will be some capital needs. Not sure exactly when, but I suspect in the next few months, what will that look like as far as capital need and, and what size is needed at this point? Yeah, so we, uh, the approach we'll take there is, um, you know, we're looking to uh, get the information out about the PEA, uh, market the company, meet with investors, and and uh, start to try to get a re-rate closer in line with the peer group. And as we do that, we'll we'll make an assessment from time to time on on uh, when to look to raise some capital. Um, and really, I would say it really depends on how we do in terms of the market re-rating determines how much capital we raise. Um, because, uh, you know, as, as owners ourselves, and, and as I think, you know, we have roughly 40, 45% of our, 
our registry is is uh, with uh, with a couple of big uh, brokers at Haywood Securities in Vancouver. Uh, we're very cognizant of dilution, so we'll um, we'll make the judgment call on size based on how we're looking and trading in the market, and uh, and go from there. But um, you know, it's not a uh, we're not talking about twenty million dollars or anything like that. Uh, we're talking, you know, hopefully in the magnitude of about five million. Um, but we'll make that call as as we see how the market reacts. And what is the best way for investors to obtain the PEA documents, Alex? And also, why should they consider the company now? Best way to obtain them is um, there's there's an actual 43101 National Instrument 43101 technical document. We have 45 days to file that, so that'll be out um, in the not too distant future. But the best thing I would do is if you go to our website, you go to our projects part of our website. And we've put a very robust uh, presentation together on the PEA, which outlines everything that we uh, did working with DRA, our lead engineers. Um, it's about a 35, 40 slide presentation that gives you all the information you want um, about mining planning and the cash flows and the cost profile and all the capital buildup, et cetera. And uh, that's more or less synthesizes what the 43101 will, will tell people. So it's a good place to start. And then, of course, we have our investor presentation, which is a lot higher level. Um, why I think now is a good time to buy is is really just again looking at we've 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 come through some noise and challenges that we're dealing with um, and we've just come out with our PEA people aren't really paying attention um, there's a significant disconnect between two percent of NAV in our in our call it our stage one PEA and the peer group trading at about twenty percent of NAV. Um, there's there's value there without us doing anything. Um, so, you know, part of what we're doing now is getting out and, and highlighting that to people. Look at the project. It's got all the merits of a, a really strong lithium chemical project. Bruce remains to be a good jurisdiction to do business. It's respected by, um, you know, European and, and American countries for, uh, you know, operating best practices when it comes to mining, um, which you can't say about some jurisdictions. And, uh, and I think that um, as we kind of move the project forward and, and sort of the next couple of catalysts, one of those being the byproducts um, piece, I think that will that could really change the value of the project by being able to show those, in particular, those two things, the cesium and the SOP. So that would sum up why I would uh, take a look now. All right, Alex. Well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for the update and uh, looking forward to speaking again soon. Very good. Thank you, Andrew. Really appreciate it.